Hello and welcome to Gendering Geopolitics, my short series where I have quick 10-minute conversations with women who are doing incredible work around the world. My name is Emily Prey and I'm a senior analyst at the New Lions Institute in Washington, D.C. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Mia Brett, a legal historian who focuses on race and gender construction about Roe versus Wade. Thank you so much for joining me, Mia. Thank you for having me. So as we all know, a draft opinion was leaked on Monday night, written by Justice Alito, that would, if passed, end Roe versus Wade and safe abortion access in America. What would the intersectional consequences of this be? Yeah, so um, the consequences, if, if this opinion is what is used as the opinion to overturn Wade or going to Roe v. Wade are going to be really far reaching. It's important to understand that there are many legal avenues to overturning Roe v. Wade or simply to upholding the 15 week abortion ban that um, the justices are considering. But what Alito's opinion did was take the most radical extreme approach to overturning Roe in a way that just completely undoes the legal precedent um, which also underpins a lot of other rights that are based on similar legal precedents. So it's a very extreme decision if it is the opinion that's used as the majority um, when we hear the opinion on Dobbs. Um, it puts, obviously, gay rights in danger. It puts birth control in danger. Honestly, it puts interracial marriage in danger. I mean, it, it's very far-reaching. Additionally, it also uses language that seems to support a personhood um, ruling about fetuses. Not that this opinion would do that alone, but um, it, it very well could signal support for personhood um, in the future. So, so this has very extreme consequences. Now, it doesn't overturn um, abortion protections in states that have separate abortion protections from just Roe v. Wade. So, for example, a number of states have passed laws that um, would protect abortion access even if Roe is overturned, for example, like New York or Connecticut, I think just passed an even stronger protection or they're trying to, I apologize. A lot's been happening this week. Um, and so that's important to remember that um, even if this most extreme decision goes into effect, many states will still have um, safe legal abortion access, but very much not all. And so you briefly mentioned issues like gay marriage and interracial marriage with the actual text in this opinion. What does that tell you about these future issues, including, you know, as you said, gay marriage, civil rights and, and other incredibly important issues like that? So something to keep in mind is that Roe is decided on um, the legal basis of privacy. So it could have been decided on many um, legal justifications, but it's based on privacy with the assumption being in um, the 14th Amendment. And so Alito basically says that this is just a ridiculous legal justification. So not only does he say that, um, you know, abortion is not protected by the Constitution, but he says that the legal basis isn't there. So it's unclear how far that could go. But by saying that the right to privacy is not in the 14th Amendment, that puts birth control squarely at issue. That puts um, private sexual behavior, which has to do with gay rights, squarely at issue. And it 
puts marriage cases at issue. Now, technically, marriage cases also are decided on other bases as well, but they're also here. And he goes further than that, where he explicitly links all these cases. He says that um, a later abortion decision, which is very important, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, is partially decided um, resting on some of these later cases. So, so he's aware of these links. Now, later in the opinion, he says this opinion is only... Sorry, everyone. There's my dog. Um, Later in the opinion, he says that this is only meant to apply to abortion, but considering he's just spent quite a long time linking all the legal justifications, that's not very comforting. Hello to your dog and yeah. welcome to Gender and Geopolitics for your dog as well. Um, so often abortion is spoken of as singular, singularly a women's issue, but how will this affect all Americans, including men and also how does this add to the erasure of trans people and non-binary people who can give birth? So certainly calling abortion a woman's issue, I mean, if you're calling it a woman's issue in conjunction with other language, that doesn't erase trans people. But if you're using women's issues, women's health care, um, you know, any kind of language like that as your catch-all term for what's going on here, yes, that's very much erasing trans people. You know, and also there's just no reason to use euphemisms. Um, it's abortion. We should be able to say the word abortion. Um, we can also say reproductive health care instead of women's health care. You know, there's a lot of language we can use that is is gender inclusive because trans men and non-binary people need access to abortion. Um, additionally, there are ways in which that um, cis men who are who are men who um, are assigned male at birth um obviously are affected by abortion um i mean you know they they don't necessarily want to have every child that that they cause to to um be impregnated in a woman either um or or in a person so you know obviously that access is important but additionally you know reproductive rights are important to everyone i mean the more we support the state involvement in things like abortion, the more we support state involvement in telling men they can't necessarily get a vasectomy or that the state can tell them they can be forcibly sterilized. Um, additionally, as I said, the legal justifications are clearly linking abortion to gay marriage, to private sexual behavior, to, to other marriage issues. So, you know, there's, there's a lot going on here that very clearly affects cis men. And of course, we don't want to erase trans people in this conversation. And so for the Democrats, aside from passing the Women's Health Protection Act, what else can they be doing to ensure that abortion access remains legal? Well, I mean, you know, this this decision is going to happen. So there's not much they can do about that, but they absolutely need to prioritize federal legislation, whether it's the Women's Health Protection Act or something else, though the Women's Health Protection Act, I believe, is going to be voted on again um, soon. So, so that's just hundred percent necessary. But Democrats also need to be making this a local issue. While we're fighting for federal legislation, which we may or may not be able to pass, we can be fighting at the local state level for more states to pass abortion protections. Additionally, Democrats have to stop supporting any candidate that isn't loudly pro-choice, or I'd prefer pro-abortion, but I'll take pro-choice depending on what state they're living in. There's just no reason at this point whether they're an incumbent or not. I mean, Jessica Cisneros um, is running in Texas against an anti-choice 
Democrat, but because that Democrat is an incumbent, you know, Democrats aren't necessarily coming out and fighting for her, and they should be. Um, Kirsten Gillibrand is giving some very fiery speeches. Um, Schumer's giving fiery speeches. You know, all of that is also very important because we need to be fighting on multiple fronts, and sometimes fiery speeches is what gets people to wake up, is what gets people to go to the polls. Um, so all of that is is very important. I also think Democrats should be thinking about maybe pushing for some legislation that protects people going to other states for abortions. Um, they could also be looking at um, some kind of federal legislation to protect mailing abortion pills, because I think Tennessee just passed or is trying to pass a law that won't allow abortion pills in the mail. And there can be something federally done about that since the mail after all is federal jurisdiction. So there's a couple avenues um, that they need to be working on. But yes, ultimately we need the Women's Health Protection Act and they need to get rid of the filibuster and pass it. And then lastly, just in our, in our last minute here, how does it feel to be a woman in America in this moment in time right now? You know, it, it's very difficult to put that into words, especially since I'm someone who's been screaming about this for years. And, you know, I've been told I was hysterical. I've been told that I'm like being ridiculous, that I'm being manipulative by threatening um, about Roe when when it's safe. And so, you know, in some ways, this this because I've been expecting this for so long, um, I don't think I'm having quite the same shock to it as I think many are, but certainly for me, it's, it's very scary. And especially because we're not just talking about, um, elected abortions, though those need to be completely safe. We're talking about women or, or people with ectopic pregnancies, not being able to get an abortion. We're talking about people who maybe have had, um, miscarriages, not being able to get DNCs to have, and go into sepsis. I mean, this is dangerous. This is, you know, a life and death daily issue for us. And and I know for me as an academic who's looking at where I might be teaching in the coming years, I'm looking at states that I just quite frankly don't feel safe living in. Um, that, you know, if I got offered a job in Texas right now, I would have to think twice before taking that job. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of emotions going on. And I, and I think it's there's exhaustion, there's fury, there's fear. Um, you know, it, it's hard to kind of, I think, see clearly through exactly what's going on, especially because so many of us have been talking about this for a decade, you know, that this moment is coming and nobody wanted to listen. And we know that just because, you know, if, if abortion is outlawed, that doesn't mean that abortions won't take place. It just means that safe and healthy abortions won't so, be taking place. Yes. And I, but I do want to emphasize something that um, I think a lot of people rightfully are scared and you know that we're going to go back to what it looked like in the 60s and in some ways we are and that's terrifying but we have a lot more access to self-managed abortion than we did in the 60s mm -hmm. and I just want people to hear this that you know I know it's scary and I know that there will be a number of unsafe illegal abortions happening because that's always what happens when you make abortion illegal but to please remember that there are avenues for self-managed abortions. And even if it has to be illegal avenues, self-managed abortions at home with the abortion pill are safe. And so, you know, again, that doesn't erase the harm. It doesn't erase the, you know, the possibilities of what could happen. Self-managed abortion only works early in pregnancy. But, 
that that is there and it is something that will make illegal abortions safer than they were a few decades ago. Thank you for that important message. And thank you so much, Mia, for coming on Gendering Geopolitics today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me.